0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. This is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I think you're going to love this lesson. I think it's going to be a lesson that you can really uh, dig down on personally, but you're going to be able to repeat for your team. But before I get into the lesson, I want to say to anyone who lives in Atlanta, Duluth, Lawrenceville, Valdosta, Columbus, Buford. Fayetteville, Canton, Cummings, Stockbridge, West Point, and Roswell. I just want to say to you that on May 10th, I will be doing a roundtable in Norcross, Georgia. This roundtable will be amazing. The content that we cover, the information that we cover. I want to encourage you, if you will go to my webpage, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, you can sign up for that roundtable. You really, really want to be in this roundtable room. And I get asked this question, well, do we tape these? The answer is no. You cannot be as transparent as I'm going to be and have them taped. So, if you want the value, be in the room. I also want to remind you that on October 20th and 21st, we're doing the North Texas Leadership Conference. Now, uh, it's totally sold out as far as full registration, but there is a partial registration that gets you in the room. And I'm just telling you, there's power in the room. And if you would like to sign up for that, you can go again to Gerald Brooks Ministries.com. Uh, hey, that being said, I want to talk to you about leadership's number one challenge. Leadership's number one challenge. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives us a look behind the curtain of his leadership journey. I love this. I love whenever somebody goes beyond their outline and pulls back the curtain and lets you get a peek on the inside and lets you see what Mm -hmm. they see and lets you feel what they feel. I just think those are the most valuable leadership moments. And so, In Philippians chapter 3, Paul immediately identifies the greatest challenge, and he does so by three statements. Let me give them to you. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4, he says, Though I also may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Then in Philippians 3 5, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisees. And then in verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul gives us three statements here, and these three statements deal with what his greatest challenge in leadership was. Each one of these statements refer back to him. Let me just pause. I've never met a leader. I've never met a leader who led for a long time. I've never met a leader who led well, who wouldn't readily acknowledge that the greatest challenge they have in leadership aren't issues on the outside, but they are mastering truths and disciplines on the inside. They would readily say their greatest leadership challenge is them. Why? Because if you can't lead you, you can't lead anyone else. You may be able to fake leadership, but you cannot reproduce leadership. So let's look at these three statements, though I also have confidence in the flesh. The first thing that he says that he had to overcome is do not fall in love with where you've been. Do not fall in love with where you've been. See, the greatest killer of leadership is the comfort zone, becoming comfortable with where you've been, becoming comfortable with what you've done, becoming comfortable with yesterday's successes. You become comfortable. And what Paul said was one of his biggest challenges was simply this. I can't fall in love with where I've been. I can't fall in love with where I've been. And one of the things that I would say to all leaders is that if you're a leader, you have trophies. There are places you've succeeded. There's places that you've done well. But if you're not careful your trophies can become a tragedy. And the tragedy is this, when your trophy room of yesterday is the best room you've ever had. So, don't fall in love with where you've been, the comfort zone. The second thing, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law of the Pharisees. Don't become complacent with who you are. Don't become complacent with who you are. He was saying, these are all the things that I am, but I cannot become complacent with who I am because the best of me has yet to be discovered. The best of me has yet to be known. So I want you to get these two thoughts. Don't fall in love with where you've been, but don't become complacent with who you are are. Don't let your trophies become your tomorrow and don't let who you've been become who you're going to stay. Take a journey where your best days are not behind you, but ahead of you. And then he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. We could go through the historical things he's saying there, but I believe most of you are aware of them. He is saying, don't let your past rob you of tomorrow. Don't let your past rob you of tomorrow. So three things. Don't fall in love with where you've been. Don't become complacent in who you are. And don't let your past rob you of tomorrow. He said, these were my greatest challenges as a leader. I was a high performer. I was an individual who excelled. I was an individual that had a whole room filled with trophies. And he said, my biggest challenge is I couldn't let me get in the way of God. I couldn't let me get in the way of God. See, leadership requires that you lead you. And what Paul was saying is you have to become bigger than your resume. You have to become bigger than your resume. So how do you do that? How do you become bigger than your resume? How do you make sure that you don't fall in love with where you've been? How do you make sure you don't become complacent with who you are? How do you make sure that you don't let your past rob you of tomorrow? How do you do that? Let me give you some keys for leading yourself. Paul goes from these three thoughts and he begins to give us some keys to being able to lead yourself. Now, here's what I want you to know. This isn't about leading your organization. This is about leading you. This is about you leading you. So let's look at some of these keys in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. What did he say the first key to leading you is? learn about him, learn about him, that I may know him. See, our society is really interesting. Our society has a whole lot of events that are self-discovery events, finding out who you are, understanding who you are in life. And so there's all these you know, journeys that people will take you through so you can find out who you are, so you can be a better you. But here's the thing, the more you know him, the more you understand you. And unless you know him, you're not going to understand you because he's the one who created you. He's the one that designed you. He's the one that knows you better than you. But the more I know him, the more I understand me. So what he says is, if I'm going to be an effective leader, I have to learn about me. I have to learn about me. I have to know him, and that helps me to know me. And so it's only when I know him that I can begin to take a journey to become who I am supposed to be, that I don't fall in love with where I've been. I don't become complacent with um, who I am, and I don't let my past rob me. Why? When I learn about him, it is the catalyst for understanding me. So learn about him. The second thing, by any means I may obtain. Define your goals. Define your goals. So let me just insert this. Getting better isn't an accident. Getting better isn't an accident. When you get better, it's not because an accident happened. When you get better, it's because you've defined goals. We've all heard the story of Charlie Brown, that famous character in cartoons, about him going outside, he has his bow and arrow, he aims at the fence, he shoots, it hits the fence, he then goes and paints a circle around it. He shoots again, and he paints a circle around it. He shoots again, and he paints a circle around it. Lucy, seeing this, asked him the question, what are you doing, Charlie? He says, well, I'm practicing. I want to be able to hit a target. And she says, you're not doing that. You're just hitting anything. And he looks at her and says, well, this way I never miss. That's the problem with people. They don't have an intentional goal. They don't have an intentional design. See, when I go hit golf balls, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get it in the air, to be honest with you. I'm trying to get it in a general direction. But can I tell you, when those are your goals when you practice, that just means you're a bad golfer. If your goal is to get the ball in the air, if your goal is to generally point in a direction, those aren't really high goals for a golfer. But if you watch a good golfer, what a good golfer will say is I'm going to hit 100 balls within 10 feet of a specific spot. I'm trying to hit general directions. They're trying to hit a spot. Who do you think is going to be better? The person who has no goals or the person who has goals? Define your goals. Getting better isn't an accident. So, what Paul said, if I'm going to lead myself, I've got to learn about him because when I know him, I begin to know me. I've got to define goals. I've got to get better. But to get better, I have to have very, very specific goals. Number three, evaluate continually. Not that I've already obtained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of. I press on that I may lay hold on. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm not there yet, but I'm making progress. I'm not there. I haven't arrived, but I've covered some things. And what is he saying? He's saying, I'm going to evaluate continually. And one of the things that we know is that if you're going to hit a target, there has to be constant adjustments. There has to be constant evaluations. There has to be constant uh, recognition of, of, of current environment and not only current environment, uh, but of the headwinds and the stress and strains. Why? You evaluate continually. You evaluate and get feedback so you can begin to refine the goals that you have defined. And so you want to refine them. You want to get to the place that you're saying, hey, I'm getting better, but I'm not there. I'm getting better, but I'm not there. And you want to push ahead and you want to learn and you want to get it. And so you want to evaluate continually. So he said, if you're going to lead yourself, learn about him, define your goals, evaluate continually. Then in verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Number four, don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied. Now, in life, there are things I should be satisfied with. Jesus said to be content with all things when he spoke through the Apostle Paul later on in this same book. He says, Be content in all things. When it comes to things, I need to have a level of contentment. He said, I know how to abase. I know how to abound. But when it comes to growth, I can't be satisfied. Why? Because growth doesn't have a finish line. And whatever better is tomorrow, there's better the next day. And so I want the transformational process to continue. And so a part of it is is that I can't be satisfied with who I am. I can't just say, hey, I'm good enough. I've done well enough. I have to continually strive. And so don't be satisfied. Next, verse 13, he says, but one thing I do, be focused. See, whenever you talk about people getting better, people just sort of throw up their hands. Well, I don't know where to start. Find one thing. See, I can't be better at everything tomorrow, but I can be better at one thing tomorrow. I can be more thoughtful tomorrow. I can be kinder tomorrow. I can smile more tomorrow. I can be more considerate tomorrow. I can be more helpful tomorrow. I can be more patient tomorrow. I can be more loving tomorrow. Now, if you take all those things, can I be all those things tomorrow? Most likely not. It's too much. You can't wrap your arm around it, but you can get focused on one thing, and you can master that thing and move on to another thing, but you get focused. So I want you to get it. Paul's talking about his biggest leadership challenge. His biggest leadership challenge was him. And he says the way he mastered it was he learned about him. The more I know him, the more I understand me. He defined goals. He he just didn't randomly go everywhere. He defined his goals, what he was trying to do. He evaluated those goals. So when you refine your goals You define your goals and you refine them and you don't become satisfied. You don't say, hey, I'm good enough. And you get focused. But then he goes on. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. Put the past in its place. The past is the biggest problem for most people in their tomorrows. If you were to listen to most people talk. They're going to talk about yesterday. They're going to talk about the problems of yesterday, the circumstances of yesterday, the events of yesterday. They're going to talk about yesterday. But here's the thing. There's something more important than yesterday. And it's the fact that God says, behold, I do a new thing. There's something he wants to do today. That this is the day that the Lord hath made, and I will be glad and rejoice in it. He wants you to be able to say, hey, yesterday's over. Let's get on with today. And with today's over, let's get on with tomorrow. Put the past in its place. Do not let the good of the past distract you. Do not let the bad of the past hinder you. Be focused on putting the past in its place. Most people... There are two events in life that were heartbreaking for them, and those heartbreaking events have stopped them. It could be a divorce they've gone through. It could have been a failure that they've experienced. It could have been a tragedy that they've had to uh, wade into and out of. But when you listen to them, their whole life is defined by those. God saying the past should not be your defining moment. Let me say that slowly. The past should not be the defining moment. Yesterday's argument doesn't mean that you can't love today. Yesterday's impatience doesn't mean that you can't slow down today. Yesterday's short-term answer to somebody doesn't mean that you can't be kind today. Don't let yesterday, whatever it was, good or bad, don't let yesterday stop you from experiencing tomorrow. Put the past in its place. What have we given you? Learn about him. Define your goals. Evaluate continually. Don't be satisfied. Get focused. Put the past in its place. And then he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead. He said, reaching forward, he says, no matter where you're at, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Here's what I can tell you about the will of God. It's taking one more step than you think you can take. It's taking one more step than you want to take. Here's what I can tell you about God's plan for your life. You've got to take another step. God has something if you're not dead, you're not done. So you have to keep going. You have to take one more step. And so he says, I'm going to reach forward. I'm going to reach, you know, that top shelf that I can't reach somehow. I'm going to reach it. You know, that, that step on, on that, uh, stair that I've never been able to get up to, I'm going to step up to it. I'm going to keep going. See, Paul was honest as a leader. His biggest challenge wasn't people. His biggest challenge wasn't events. His biggest challenge wasn't problems. His biggest challenge was not opposition. His biggest challenge was him. And what I can tell you is, is that all of us as leaders, we are our biggest challenge. We are the ones who will get in the way more than anyone else will get in the way. And so what does God say? He says, hey, just learn to lead you, and you lead you by learning about him, defining goals, evaluating continually, never being satisfied, get focused, and put the past in its place and keep going. Those are the things that Paul did to handle leadership's number one challenge. Now, what I would say to you is this. Could you just sit down, maybe, and think through what you've just heard and say, where am I on that continuum? Where am I? What does it look like for me? Where am I at? And then maybe you could pause and you could say, okay, where am I organizationally? So where's my organization? And maybe you could sit down and talk to your key leaders and say, if we're going to lead, we've got to face the number one challenge. And the number one challenge is us. And I think maybe if you sort of distilled this lesson on a personal, organizational, and then a leadership level, I think you would find that there's some growth there that God will give you that'll be pretty prolific and be uh, pretty amazing. And so I want to encourage you. Hey, again, I want to say to people in Atlanta, Duluth, Lawrenceville, Valdosta, Columbus, Buford, Fayetteville, Canton, Cummings, Stockbridge, West Point, and Roswell, and all the other communities in Georgia, come May 10th, be in the room. Being in the room is a multiplier. When you're in the room, it changes you. Go to Gerald Brooks Ministries com and sign up. And then on October 20th and 21st, sign up. Put yourself in the room because I can tell you the leaders that will be there will be at such a high level that it will pull you up regardless of what level you're at. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.